What probably saved my life was finding entrepreneurialism, finding, in my case, real estate investing, a niche, a community. It was a blue ocean when we started this company um, six years ago. Finding my brothers and sisters who spoke two of the same languages. They spoke military, which comes with an inherent trust. You've been through some of the same stuff. And two, they spoke real estate. And if they didn't, they wanted to speak real estate. We teach them how to speak real estate. And so that thing, that transition gave me hope. Find a new passion and purpose. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest is a GoBundance Memories fascinating guy. Eric Upchurch is an Army Special Operations veteran who grew up in central Iowa before attending college in California. Uh, he has a passion for educating the military community on how to create long-term wealth through real estate investing while personally investing across the country for the last 17 plus years. Eric serves as co-founder of ADPI. I didn't know this before now. Active duty, passive income, and is a senior managing partner with ADPI Capital. That just means Tim and Adam are taking up all the air to make it that like they're the ADPI guys and they're leaving you, the real founder. Come on. Fire them. Fire them. That's my suggestion. No, they're my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, yeah. brother. Great to have you. I'm so glad to be here. And, um, you know, just leading up to this, um, I'm like, I'm maybe a little bit more nervous. Actually, it's probably excited about being on this podcast than any other, uh, just because of the way you present and uh, and dig in and really discover your guests. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Nah, I appreciate that, man. You've been on some big ones. So I appreciate you saying that. And just as a reminder to our audience, if you're interested in GoBundance, go to GoBundance.com, fill out an application, whether you're a millionaire or not, we've got communities for you. Uh, it's an incredible experience. Eric, I just met him at a recent event and uh, you can't go wrong. Check it out, GoBundance.com. Eric, so you're yes, Army, what was the special? I got to go back to it. Yeah, Special, special operations. operations Veteran. What does that yeah. mean? What so is a special I, ops veteran? Man, so I, so I, um, I enlisted after college. Most people would go and be an officer in the military once you have a college degree. That's kind of the differentiation for most people. Um, and I chose to be enlisted for two reasons. One, it paid off all of my college debt. I went to UC Santa Barbara in Southern California. And um, second, I've always been an influencer of people. I've always, and, and without choosing that, part of my personality growing up in Iowa, and that's why I put it in my bios, because it's one of those interesting things when I'm uh, looking back, when I was 12 years old, you know, uh, detasseling corn in Iowa, I became a team leader. Um, not because I was like, I want to be a team leader, because somebody recognized something and said, you should be leading this row to make sure that everyone doesn't miss a tassel, you know, or whatever. And then in retail and then in the military, every job I've ever had mm. had been ended up inadvertently in a leadership role. So I chose to be enlisted because obviously it did the college thing for me, but also because I was a 24 year old enlisting and had the ability to go influence 18 year old knuckleheads. And I thought I would be able to, to make an impact. And, um, and that worked out really well for me. So yeah. Glad to have done. So well, give me give me an idea of that. Like, well, first thing, real quick, you don't get your college tuition paid if you come in as an officer. It's only if you enlist after college. Correct. There's a for the army. There's army loan repayment program. So most ah. of the people will go enlisted, and then they get they dangle this like GI Bill carrot in front of you, like, oh, you can get your degree when you get out. A little, you mean? Most people don't even do that when they get out. So. Right. Um, I already had a degree, and so I was like, they were like, you can be enlisted and have all your college debt wiped out. 
or you can go officer and you'll make, I don't know, it was like two grand more a month. And not even that, it's probably like 1500 bucks more a month and be an officer. And then you'll be in the officer ranks, you know, you'd be a second Lieutenant. And I was like, ah, you know, like, I, I think like, I want to go influence people. I want to be a 24 year old and, and, and like, be able to help people and understand that like college sure. isn't for smart people. It's for dedicated people. You know, was that, a, was that a real, was that a real conscious thing? Like, so you went in like, you know, okay, I'm enlisting, get the college paid off, but I really want to influence people. Like, is that a thought process at 24? Was it that formed? The word influence was not even part of my vocabulary at that point, <laughs> especially the way it is now. Like everyone's sure. like, oh, whenever I say influence, I feel like it's derogatory almost, you know, like, like, oh, here's another, another guy trying to influence people, but we influence in everything we do in life. So now recognizing it, when I say it, what I mean is I, I, without knowing the term or using the term, I did recognize that every job I'd ever had in the past I ended up becoming a manager or a leader of some of something of people. And mm. I never tried to do that. I never sought out that role, but, but, you know, and now as a 40, about to be 43 year old guy, I can look back and go, that's just who I am. I, I don't have any control of that. And it it's partly, you know, the way I speak or the way I act or the way I will do a task or whatever. And an amazing part of that too, is there's a whole other side of that. Like there are people who listen to this podcast right now that think I'm completely full of shit. And then there are people who on this podcast mm -hmm. are listening to this podcast right now. They're like, I can resonate with that guy. And, um, I'm a hundred percent okay with that because you can't get along with everybody. Not everyone's going to be able to influence you is my point. Right. Um, but those that I am yeah. able to influence, I do it in the most heartfelt, purposeful way. And that now is the one standalone thing that is keeping me alive and it is keeping me um, feeling fulfilled, not just achieving, um, you know, and I could go on and on about this, but like the two mountains we talk about in Go Abundance, you got the first mountain mm -hmm. is achievement mountain. Second mountain is fulfillment mountain. And, <clears throat> yeah. and I, I just, and now I'm at that stage, I think where I'm still achieving, we're always achievers, but my heart's sure. at is mountain two. My heart is in how can I end veteran homelessness this decade? My heart is how many military members can I change their lives because mine is different. And then they're the super kind of um, uh, impactful, like selfish things that go along with it. Like, the gratification I personally get out of seeing a result from somebody. So along yeah. the line, there was probably all of that. There was probably as I'm choosing to be enlisted going like, I'm going to feel good about helping other people. So there's always that kind of selfish component to it probably, but as long as you're helping somebody else along the way, it's golden, man. It's funny. I don't believe in the word altruism. I don't think it exists. In other words, altruism is the yes. concept that, I do without any regard for me. And I just, I think that maybe it's a cynic in me, but I think that's bullshit. Like there's, like you said, it, even if it's, I feel really good about it, that's for you. Right. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that. There isn't. There's this idea that like, oh, it's, it's completely selfless. I, I just don't think it exists. No, what? No, 
I'm open about that all the time too. I, I, I always tell my wife, I'm like, I do these things. Like I, when I speak on a stage, when I impact a, a soldier or airman or Marine or whatever it is, or, um, I do it because it makes me feel good. It makes me right. feel good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sure. It helps people also. That's the big thing. That's the big thing. Like, you know, in, in helping, that's the fulfillment piece, the purpose piece, yeah. right? Like it's making yeah. you feel good because of the service you've given to somebody else. So that makes perfect sense to me. How long did you stay in the military? What was your total? Career? I was in uh, six years and I was in the same unit the whole time. So my path was, I'll give you a kind of a, I don't know. I think it's kind of an interesting story. I didn't sign up to be in special operations. I signed up to be uh, in a, an army aviation, I picked a job and I was like, this will do, this will be awesome. Um, and then I was trying to make it to my wedding on time. Um, so it was a, I knew it was a six month cycle from basic training, um, to advanced individual training to the end. And I left in January. My wedding was at the end of July, the end of January. And then my wedding was the end of July. So I knew if everything went right, meaning I didn't piss off a drill sergeant, I didn't sprain an ankle. I didn't uh, phase out. I didn't miss a test, uh, physical or or written or a hands-on test, which is a hard thing to do in the military when you don't know anything sure. over, over a six-month period. So I was like, I'm going to be gray man. I just, uh, I have no plan B. We have 120 guests coming to Southern California from out of state. I have to make it to my wedding. But I also need to be gray man. I don't want to cause any attention. I don't want anybody to know I'm here. That was just bullshit. I was a I was an E4, so I already had a higher rank than everybody else in the in the training battalion just because I had a college education. So I screwed myself there. Oh wow. So I immediately stood out to the drill sergeant. So then I had this extra pressure of okay, now I have to now I'm the platoon guide because he saw that I was an older guy with with a college degree and so now you're going to lead these guys and the, okay. I ended up to summarize at the top of my class, by, but only not because I wanted that, but because I, I didn't want to fail my mm -hmm. wife. I didn't want to miss my wedding. So ended up top of my class. And because of that, I got orders to uh, special operations, aviation regiment, didn't even know what it was. Um, and you know, what it is, is uh, all those black helicopters that fly around at night and uh, do all the cool missions, inserting the seals that got bin Laden, um, even back to Black Hawk down, unfortunately, that was, yeah. uh, that was our unit. That was my battalion. Wow. Um, all, you know, zero dark 30 active valor, all those helicopters in those movies are from events that our, you know, unit participates in. And we're doing that. Those are just like the flashy Hollywood things. Like we're doing that every night we're out there, you know, getting the next bad guy and there's always a new one. So, you know, what, what's the flashiest Hollywood moment of your career? If you can share it. Oh, I had nothing. I had nothing unless, good. Unless it's classified. I mean, no, I mean, to me, like I, I enjoyed the camaraderie of it. I, there wasn't like a moment. I'll, I'll tell you one that stands out to me. Yeah. Um, uh, first time I was on a, a uh, aircraft in Iraq where we're out on a mission and all the flares went off and we're, you know, you're wearing night vision goggles and the flares go off and I had never experienced that seeing it through, you know, the green lens. And I almost crapped myself I'll bet. because you're in country, you're flying a couple hundred feet off the, off the deck. And, um, and I'm, I'm like, I asked what that was. And, and one of the crew chiefs was like, 
yeah, as for somebody probably, you know, was targeting us with an RPG or something. I'm like thinking to myself, okay, this just got real. Like this just got real for me as the first time you see that you're like, okay, so let's prepare. Like, are we, are you going to go like blow this guy, you know, turn him into pink dust real quick? Cause we had mini guns on the sides of our helicopters, you know, why pink, I guess they're insides out. Well, yeah, just the blood explosion in the air. It's just pink dust. Yeah. Um, So they were like, no, it's not our mission. So even being targeted or shot at, unless there's, you know, unless you're hit and need to address it, the mission is time on target plus or minus 30 seconds. You got to go pick up, pick up or deliver the next badass SEAL team member or whoever, whatever they need, you got to be there. And, um, so all the people who are spraying and praying down there, they can't see us. We can see them. I mean, Mm. killing them would be easy, but, um, for the crew chiefs, but, um, that's not the mission. So anyway, that's crazy. Long story short is just, uh, fear. I'm just going to say that like, just Holy crap. What did I get into here? And this is real. And I, I need to, I need to be careful. Uh, I remember doing. in, it's funny, two years ago in Tahoe, we had, you know, Rob O'Neill, the name, mm-hmm. Yep. he came in and he spoke to the group and then, you know, he was telling stories, um, uh, around a campfire and every, every drink, the story's got a little bit more open, a little more open or whatever. But I'm always curious with guys like that, like you veterans, people that have been in, especially in special forces. I mean, there's like this code, this brotherhood. You've got these guys out there, Marcus Luttrell, Rob O'Neill. And I know they might not be the same in that regard, Jocko Willink. But how are how are some of these sort of celebrity um, uh, seals or celebrity uh, David Goggins? How are they viewed? I, I, you know, you can't speak for every human being. So maybe speak for yourself and maybe generally what you hear. I'm I'm always curious about that. Like Rob O'Neill shop bin Laden. So he claims he's been made yeah. famous because of that. Is yeah. there resentment there? No, we delivered him to the target that night. You were you there? I wasn't on. No, I wasn't on the aircraft, but my unit flew him in there that night, yeah. my battalion actually. And um, as a, by trade, an aircraft structural guy, we developed that airframe that um, it took. I mean, that wasn't a standard Blackhawk. We didn't have the rights to fly into Pakistan. So we had to develop a new airframe that wasn't um, visible on radar. Mm-hmm. So those two, those two aircraft that were later exposed and then, you know, the mm-hmm. movies start coming out and showing it all. Um, you know, that was the, that was years in the making. Um, but anyway, to answer your question. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I I'm proud of them. I, I'm happy for them and I'm proud of them. Um, not a lot of people uh, feel comfortable talking about it or think, Oh, if you talk about it, you're just, um, you know, talking shit or like whatever, like everybody has different experiences and they're all kind of neat to hear about. Some people just don't want to talk about them. I don't mind so much. Um, but, but I wasn't Billy badass kicking doors in either. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I didn't want that for my, for my life. And, and in fact, even though, I was an aircraft, uh, an aircraft guy. Um, I was also the burial detail NCOIC, non-commissioned officer in charge. Mm-hmm. So in my unit, whenever we would lose a guy, I would be tasked then with going to their hometown, stopping what we're doing, and you know, go home to their hometown. And um, we would have to do drill and ceremony for the 21 gun salute and the carrying, you know, the pallbearers and carrying the casket and folding the flag and presenting it to their family. I got to tell you, that's heavy. Aside from anything else in this world, 
the hardest thing I have ever done. And I've done a lot of physically and mentally hard shit. Hardest thing I've ever done is, is be required to maintain military bearing while mm -hmm. folding a flag over my dead friend. And it's not just a military member like at Arlington where the, the pallbearers or whoever doesn't necessarily know the soldier that they're burying. This was a guy I went to basic training with and spent all kinds of training sessions with, and we deployed together. And it, as it happens over and over again, you know, and in the special operations community, you're not allowed to go see behavioral health specialists. You can't go see a psychiatrist. You could lose your security clearance. Yeah. So, um, I think that's changed now. Um, I was going to say that's not the case anymore, right? I no, think. it's it's changed. It's changed now, but this is we're talking ten years ago. This yeah. was the case. So, um, so, but you have this op tempo and this camaraderie and all this cool stuff where you're like, okay, well, you know, that was heavy, guys. Let's get back to work. It wasn't like a let me explore survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. Let me figure out what issues might arise down the road. Um, from from this trauma, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even talk about trauma. It was we've got a mission. I've got to deploy, or I've got to go send you know these guys to this country and these guys to that country, and we've got to go tear down that airframe and make sure it's ready for the next mission, whatever it is. So there just wasn't time for grievance. So when I got out, I I didn't really think that I had a problem hmm. at all until one day. I was in San Francisco about to do a presentation uh, to like an architectural firm or something. And I come off the third street ramp and I see a guy holding the homeless veteran sign, this cardboard yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm like, I bet you 20 years ago, that guy had no idea he was going to be standing here. That crazy? And then, and then yeah. I, yeah. And then I'm like, what if that's me in 20 years? So I, I was like, I, I got to go. I'm going to, I owe it to my wife and kids to go and figure out whether or not that could be me, whether or not there's something that I haven't discovered or haven't thought of as an issue. So I made an appointment at the VA day one. I was bawling. I had no idea that I had all this like pent up. Um, I mean, survivor's guilt was introduced to me. The psychiatrist had me write out my story and all of the the guys that I buried and, you know, watching their helicopter crash in real time and and then and then carrying them to their final resting place while their mother is crying. And I have to just be a, a brick wall. And all of that just kind of came pouring out. And so ultimately I was in therapy at the VA. Uh, for three years doing cognitive processing therapy and prolonged exposure therapy and just whatever tools I can get. And, and, and mind you, I wasn't a veteran who was like, Oh, I'm homeless or I'm, I'm like, I don't, can't get a job or like I'm dysfunctional in society. Yet. Like I felt pretty good yet though. Right. That was your yet. fear yet. That, you weren't yet. that guy yet. Yeah. And, and had I not discovered that there was uh, TBI or, or PTSD or, or some, whatever you want, I don't care what you want to call it. Had I not discovered that there was an issue there or several issues there, I might be in a really dark place right now. Mm -hmm. And so to segue maybe to some of the stuff that we're doing now, it's like, uh, yeah, I do it for me. So back to the selfish stuff I needed and most veterans, and I want to talk about this for a second. Most sure. veterans are super capable human beings. 
they can follow, especially as employees and entrepreneurs, they can follow an SOP, a checklist, a set of standards like nobody's business. And they want to be, they want to know where they're supposed to be, when, in what uniform, act and how. And so for me, what probably saved my life was finding entrepreneurialism, finding, in my case, real estate investing, a niche, a community that was a black hole. It was a blue ocean when when we started this company um, six years ago. And finding my brothers and sisters who spoke two of the same languages. They spoke military, which comes with an inherent trust right off the bat. You've been through some of the same stuff. And two, they spoke real estate. And if they didn't, they wanted to speak real estate. We teach them how to speak real estate. And so this isn't about that right now, but that that thing, that transition gave me hope. So whether somebody is interested in real estate investing or buying car washes or, or they want to be the, you know, I don't care whatever it is. They want to write plays, whatever it is, find a new passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. If a military member finds new passion and purpose, they can be wildly successful. Um, and if you'll let me, I'd like to break down why veteran suicide is happening. And I think I can paint a, a pretty clear picture for civilians yeah. or, or anybody. Let's go there. I got some okay. stuff I want to come back and and, okay. and dive a little deeper on, but okay. I want to start, this is one of the things. So go for it. Okay. Why? So, and, and kind of correlates to what we're talking about here with passion and purpose, uh, part of this conversation. So when you're in the military, you are especially, you know, at the higher levels in special operations, but even at any level, really, you're given passion, purpose, mission, camaraderie, sense of belonging. Um, you are essentially a sports car, right? Hugging the rails. You're, you're able to, to go through any pass. You have safety and control well in hand. You know your job. You know your warrior tasks and drills and at the highest level. You're also given awards and accolades when you do things. You're given pats on the back. You get serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. You get your body biologically, physically, and chemically. You're getting attaboys all over the place. Mm. And, and even from, so from those chemicals to, hey, you showed up in the right uniform today. You know, you're, you're not Endorphin getting, you're not getting in hit. trouble today. Yeah. 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 And you, you're, you know where to be, you know, all that stuff. Now, when you get out of the military, all of a sudden, you no longer have a team. You no longer have camaraderie, mission, sense of purpose. You're surrounded by people who you cannot relate to. No one cares what uniform you're wearing, what you look like, what time you show up, generally speaking, and you're not getting dopamine hits anymore. Now, wow. what... What's happening to military, to my brothers still, I still get phone calls with my friends with a gun in their mouth. What, why this is happening? They're not trying to do this. They don't even know that it's happening to them. What they don't, what they're missing is a new sense of passion and purpose. All of those things that were given to them in the military, not even given to them, that were they were forced to receive in right. the military. Now, chemically, biologically, their body is trying to continue to get those things. 
It's like withdrawal. So that sports car now just hit a just hit a brick wall. Internally, the driver smashes into the wheel, organs go flying, devastation in the wake. So a military member transitions without a new passion and purpose. They seek attention, dopamine, all those things. They, they get arrested. They get in fights, uh, destructive behavior, uh, adrenaline-seeking activities like skydiving or bungee jumping or you know base jumping or whatever it is, um, uh, off-roading or motorcycling, whatever. You hear that all the time. And that is the, the body's innate... Um, like innately seeking those chemicals again, destructive, destroying relationships, drug and alcohol abuse and suicide when they can't make, when they can't make ends meet on why this is happening to them. And a, a one way that, that veteran suicide can be prevented or reduced uh, one person at a time is if they can find a new passion and purpose. How? That's, that's, I mean, so like, how do I put this? People generally struggle with that, right? With, I, I don't know what my passion and purpose and, you know, their, their, um, their dopamine hits are different. They have a corporate gig that pays them yeah. a big paycheck and a big bonus every year. And they get yeah. those hits and those hits make them stay stuck in that role. Right. And then what they, if they do try to go do something else or they, they can't because they don't know what to do, they seek other ways to get dopamine. So how is there a is there a different path or a different way man there's like eight questions that are flying yeah. through my mind let's start with this though is there is it for a military person somebody coming out of active duty is there a prescription uh, a, a set of steps uh, an opening salvo into going down the path of finding purpose one and is that unique to them is it unique because of the circumstances they come from like do they have a unique maybe way of having to do that versus the rest of us. Yes. So they can is, is the, uh, the answer to that part and the way that they can achieve new passion and purpose or sense of sense of belonging is actually um, some things just, just my first go abundance event, right. In Tahoe time, talent, and treasure. Mm. Um, the the barrier to entry for a military member to understand what to have that transition be effective um, and take them out of a dark space or just provide whatever um, to transition they have to so education they have to first have somebody like you or I say hey what what time can you can you uh, dedicate to learning something you're passionate about what what talents do you have so time talent treasure what can you give because ultimately what you have to do, we're communal human beings. We're communal species. We need a team. We need people. Um, whether it be a core small group or a vast large group, you need a community. So finding your tribe yeah. is important always, right? Yeah, of course. And how do you find your tribe? Somebody comes to me and says, how do I find my tribe? What are you passionate about? What are you, what is your talent? What are, what are your, what can you give your time to and make it and just have it not feel like work? If that's, um, I'm a super connector of people. I love listening to two different people and figuring out who, who's the solution. I want to yeah. be the in-between man, you know, like yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Get That's my dopamine hit, right? That's yeah. your dopamine hit. hundred percent. There's value in that. So 
Somebody comes to me and I get this all the dang time. I don't really have any value to add. What do I, I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? Every conversation you have with somebody is an opportunity to add value. And I don't care if it's somebody pumping gas at a gas station or you're at a real estate conference, add value in your conversation. And the way you can do that, we are whiners by design. We humans will tell you their problems if you if you just listen long enough. And and they'll either say, oh, the weather's bad, or oh, I lost this deal and it's really complicated and my life is crazy and I'm so busy right now. We, including myself, we we just do this naturally. We will, I will tell you my problems if you ask, but I'll also tell you my problems if you listen long enough. Mm. And when you're actively engaged in a, in a conversation and you know, like I'm here to network. And again, I don't care where it is. Like I talk to my dentist about real estate investing, like everybody, you know? <laughs> so sure. like, tell me what your problems are. I don't say that, but I just, I listen for mm. problems. And then I'm like, I'm going to send you an umbrella that is a badass umbrella. Cause I know it rains a lot in Seattle and it's going to be monogrammed or whatever, you know, like that's solving a problem for somebody. And so People who say, I don't know where to start, or I don't have any value to add. You do. You just have to listen and then go take that bold, decisive action, that one-time courage of just making that step of, I'm going to solve your problem. Be an ear. I love that. I say that all the time. Be an ear. Like you can add value simply by giving the, what is it? They, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Like, listen, be an ear for people. I yeah. love that, man. That's great, great advice. It makes me wonder though, does the military not own or do they do anything to assist in that transition? It's a yeah. problem. They, what they, do they do their they do their best, and there are a couple that come to mind. Um, and I'll, I'll say this: that it's not the military. They they do what they can, but it's not the military's job to um, to help people transition out of the military. Their job is war fighting and defending, in general. If we're just gonna, why is it not their job? Streamline it. Like you, you, you've said it's, essentially let me say this. to them, Hey, Not I'm their... going to, I'm going to commit to you. I'm yep. going to give my life and potentially lay it down yep. for this complex, right. Yep. For this thing and for this country. So why doesn't the military then, yep. Oh, it's, it's veterans. Cause you, you know, you're still connected, right? You're, you're a veteran. You just kind of change your designation. Why does it not? Oh, it's veterans. All they can, as far as a transition. It does owe it does owe um, veterans that transition. It's just not their primary goal. Their primary goal is getting people in the pipeline, fighting and defending. Now, what they do do on the back end of that is, is the transition assistance program. They've got all taps. You know, you got to go yeah, yeah. on your way out when you're like six months out. You are required to go to a bunch of briefs that talk about financial education, which are, by the way, like Edward Jones boring. Like they're like you know what I mean. They're like like some, somebody will sit there and be like, you should invest in your thrift savings plan, you know, which is like the 401k for military. Yeah. And so th there are a bunch of things out there that are helpful. Um, another one um, that we participate in, we just got um, uh, approved as a national partner for DOD SkillBridge. So Department of Defense just approved our company um, for this program where now we can hire um, an intern who is leaving the military up to six months before they actually leave. The military mm -hmm. pays them just like they're working every day, doing their regular military job. So the military pays them and we get to use their services. So we will teach them content marketing or, you know, whatever thing we need uh, to grow our business. 
so it helps them transition. And there are a couple thousand companies. Uh, you don't have to be like a military affiliated even company to do that. It's just companies that want to hire um, or at least get military interns to help them transition and, and teach them. So if you're a business owner, listen to this out there, look into DOD SkillBridge and a great opportunity to hire a veteran or to t- train a veteran when they are on their way out of the military. And it is no cost to you. You mentioned veteran homelessness. Mm-hmm. That's the guy with the sign. Was that the moment where a passion for ending veteran homelessness came or was there another story there? Uh, it was not. It wasn't until seven years later. It was in December of 2019. I was speaking at a, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Nathan Brooks. Um, he's actually been on the uh, BP podcast a bunch of times, but he, I was speaking at his event in KC and I just said, because I'm a big vision board guy and manifesting stuff and how amazing that works. So I was like, I'm going to say this in front of a couple hundred people. I'm going to figure out a way to donate a house to a homeless veteran in 2020. So I just mm-hmm. declared it and, and I didn't even have it. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't part of my talk at all, but I just was like, I'm compelled. It's, it was Christmas time. And I'm like, dang, I'm going to just do this. Well, as, as life would have it, veterans community project is started in Kansas city with a two acre property and 49 tiny homes on campus. And Nathan's like, I didn't know you wanted to do that. Like it's right here in Kansas city. And and now they're in six cities and all over the place. And so it started by saying, how am I going to do that? Didn't know how I was going to raise the money. Didn't know, you know, to build one of those houses with all the operating expenses um, incurred is about 50 grand. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't care. I'm just going to go do it. We ended up donating two houses that year. And then last year I was like, I'm going to step this up. So it was like 20 end of 2021. I was like, I'm going to step this up. So, so in 2022, I organized a, with 12 real estate investor buddies, we hiked the Tahoe rim trail, which is 170 miles. Wow. And um, the goal was a thousand dollars per mile hiked The 12 of us committed to raising $15,000 each. And we would achieve our goal. We raised $190,000 and which is going to change the lives of hundreds of, of homeless veterans for years to come. And um, yeah, we hiked 170 miles in nine days with 40 pounds on our back, no bathrooms, no running water, no campgrounds, um, just uh, some folks walking through the woods. So um, I don't know, that's, that's kind of now I'm like, what can, what more can I do? And I'm constantly pushing the nonprofit. I'm like, Hey guys, what more can I do? Who can I connect you with? Randomly met a Senator at a, at a real estate event, connected him with veterans community project. And now all of a sudden across from the state capital in, in Oklahoma city, they're going to build a veterans community project. Wow. man, so That's amazing. Just so cool to be able to make tiny connections that are going to have a ripple. You know, is there, is there a correlation? It's not every one of them, but is, is the percentage of homelessness highly correlated to being a veteran? Meaning, is it a large percentage of the homeless population? Do they have no veteran status? No, I I don't know that stat, but I I don't believe it is. And the reason I say that is because I know that there are a lot of homeless people in the U S and there are actually not a lot of homeless veterans statistically. And let me, let me tell you in 2020, there were 38,000 homeless veterans on the streets. Wow. It's a big number, but it is a manageable number. How many homeless people are there? I don't know. That's, that's i uh, I'm going to look it up after this, wow, me too. After this yeah. interview. And then, and then uh, 
so 38,000, but then last year they, they did another poll and they're now 32,000. So we are making massive dents in this problem with nonprofits like veterans community project. And, uh, the chances here's a, here's a really, uh, heartfelt, impactful thing that I, that I know if a veteran who's, who's been homeless is given 18 months of stable housing, their chances of staying off the streets for the rest of their life is 95%. That's incredible. So, so not only that's that is, resilience yeah. it is, it is like, I need a leg up, something bad happened in my life. And you're going to give me the discipline and the knowledge and the tools that I need to stay out. Um, I'm going to do it because I deserve it. And, and they do. So it's a really cool thing to know that it's like a very impactful thing. It's a very achievable thing. Ending veteran homelessness this decade is on my vision board. I say it on every, every stage that I'm on because it's going to happen. Um, and in fact, man, in Tahoe on the giving council um, panel, I just stood mm -hmm. up and I was like, I need to be on that. I need to be with you guys. And mm -hmm. I just had, we have uh biweekly calls now with the uh, giving council. I'm super just honored to be part of that because yeah. it's, it's what I'm like, we, we can make huge changes. And yeah, even if you this. change one, change one life, yeah. do you know how impactful that is? Mm -hmm. That's some, that's like, it's somebody's dad. Yeah. It's somebody's mom. It's somebody's kids. They're sleeping under bridges. It's so sad. And somebody yeah. who fought, fought for our rights, right. they, they volunteered to be up front where the fighting is hard. And, and whatever your point, like taking a bet on a warrior, right? Like you're, you're, you're putting your money on a warrior. Hey, if I get you, I get you stable housing for 18 months. So a warrior takes over at that point, right? Like yeah. it's not, you don't, you don't look at it as entitled or whatever. You understand the opportunity and you, and you run with it. That's really cool. By the way, it's 600,000 homeless just under in the U S okay. so about 5% of that, it sounds like is, is, uh, maybe a little bit more is, uh, is veteran homeless, but that's incredible. The numbers have gone down. Yep. You don't, it's like, I, I, you never hear about numbers like that going down. Yeah. You know, right. yep. that's just real progress. That's incredible. On the, on the point of ADPI, where did this idea come from? Like, when did real estate enter the fray for you? Was it while you were still active? That's why it's called active duty. Like what was the, give me the Genesis, give me the, the, the beginnings of this whole movement. Yeah. Well, most military members become accidental landlords. Um, you, you know, I bought my first house in 2006, hundred percent leveraged yeah. with the VA loan. So no money out of pocket on a new construction property. Then I lived in it for five years when I ETS, when I got out of the military, moved back to the San Francisco Bay area. And I was like, man, I got to, can I do this better? Like this, the house is making like 80 bucks a month cash flow. You know, it's like, and then I, and then I read rich dad, poor dad. And I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one thinking of this, you know, all of a sudden. Right. And you know, when, when you get that first initial thing, you're like, all of a sudden the world just expands. Like, you're just like, oh my gosh, everyone is doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where, where was I? True. So, um, yeah. I don't know. From, from there it was, uh, I was just trying things. I was living flipping in the Bay area, I'd just moved my family from house to house and we'd sell it along the way. And we were making money doing that. Um, just buying in nice areas and just watching the market. I'm just, I lucked out. We did force some appreciation, but mostly Bay area market appreciation over a five-year period was killer. Sure. So did that three times. And then the way ADPI came around was uh, 2017. 
um, actually Nathan Brooks, again, um, I just bought a turnkey property. I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I want to just like have one done for me. You know, I just want to be an investor, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. the cash flow is 200 bucks a month. So that's better than what I was doing. So, yeah. um, bought it. And then he goes, Hey, there's this, uh, tw- like 20 person Facebook group that I got targeted for, for whatever. And it was Markion, my partner. He started this Facebook group called active duty, passive income, where he was just sharing, um, and it was like a couple months old, with, you know, 20 people. And it was like, shit is like trying to get your friends to join, you know, right. like, Hey mom, come on in. Yeah. And so I reached out and I was like, Hey, I just bought a turnkey property. I want to, I'm a military guy. I want to share what I know. He goes, I didn't. Okay. I didn't know there were like more people that wanted to do this. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do this. And so it went from 20 people to then just sharing our experiences and, and really listening to what the community was, was asking for. And so we'd, write blogs or just provide more insight. And it went from that to, we're about 70,000 members now, uh, five years later, uh, two years ago, we were at 17,000 members. So the growth is hockey stick. We have 3000 people waiting every day to get into the group. Um, and we deny about a third of them because they're They're not not active duty or well, it's so active duty, passive income is just a play on words. We, um, a large percentage of our community is military and military spouses also. I mean, uh, veterans and, and military spouses as well. Sure. Um, but if, the, if they are not military affiliated, they can't come in. We just, I mean, we just say, even like my friends, I'm like, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's super clean and intentional niche for a very good reason, you know. And How do you then, verify it? Uh, I mean, it's, there's no science to it, but it's like, you can, we ask them what their military affiliation is in the question. And sometimes it's like, you know, it'll say something that you're like, okay, that's that you have no idea what you're talking about. Right, <laughs> you know, you're out. And then sometimes they'll J-12. say 12, like, sometimes it'll J-12 be like 12 Marine. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it'll be like, uh, you know, active duty or something like that. So our moderators who are military spouses will go into their profile and just look to see what in what they can see a picture with the person in a military uniform or their spouse or whatever. And so that's kind of clunky, but I mean, 70,000 people and growing by, you know, three to 5% per month. So crazy, crazy. Yeah. What's the model, the business? So you join IDPI, what happens? Yeah. Like, what's so the, uh, what's kind the of top, ascension look like? Top yeah. of funnel, top of funnel, I would say is the community, right? The, yep. the free Facebook group. Um, and then we have the military real estate investing Academy, which is about a hundred lessons, teaches people how to buy one to four unit, um, deals. And Residential. Yep. that's, that's what our, that's what our book, those who listening can't see it, but that's what our number one best-selling book on Amazon is all about. Um, stuff, stuff that we never knew. So we wrote a book about it. Like no one taught me I could put zero down on a fourplex. They told right. me buy buy a single family house and my buy realtor, house, you know, right. yeah, yeah. I'm like, if I would known, I, if I had known I could buy a fourplex in Savannah, Georgia, I would have done that and just yeah. lived in one of the units. But anyway, um, so military real estate investing Academy and cohort classes. So the mastermind section of the like walking in through an eight week, uh, cohort class to make sure everyone gets the information knows who's and military people love, we love class like, uh, cohorts. We love when I'm like class zero, uh, two, three, zero, one alpha is my class name, right? And you, mm-hmm. everyone in the military is accustomed to that designation. It's 23, the year, and then whatever class designation number you are, mm-hmm. that gives you a tribe. These are my people in this cohort. I'm learning with them and they're part of my team when we take down deals. 
So there's that one. And then the Military Multifamily Academy teaches people how to buy five plus commercial assets. Um, uh, and then we have Military Short-Term Rental Academy um, that's about six months old now, which is absolutely crushing it because everyone loves short-term yeah. rentals. Everybody does. You have a podcast too. Podcast also. Yep. Just a self coolest, coolest guest. Cause you've had some big names. Who's your coolest guest? Oh man. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I wasn't on that interview, but um, Robert Kiyosaki, we got in like 20, 2018 or 2019 or something like that. And um, that's a cool podcast because he talks about crashing helicopters in Vietnam more than he does <laughs> Real estate, was he a so. dick? Did they say? I hear that about him. That he can be kind of prick. No, no, we had a we had a great conversation. I mean, I'm sure he has <laughs> his moments, but he knew he was talking to some military guys that would want to ask him about some military stuff, and I think he yeah. was probably it was probably refreshing for them. But um, yeah, I mean, we've had Jocko. That was uh, yeah. Was, how'd you get Jocko? You were telling me before, but share that story. I like that. Yeah. So uh, bold, decisive action. Nothing to lose in this world. I'm not getting shot at, so I have no problems. Just cold reaching out to people or, or cold networking opportunities. So I was at a conference and, um, I knew he was speaking. So I brought our, our book and I brought a military challenge coin, um, uh, for ADPI. And I w knew that, I mean, I could obviously figure out where backstage was door was cracked. I just walked in, I walked backstage and I saw him there. Um, he just finished his uh, his his keynote, and uh, I just said, "Hey, my name's Eric Upchurch. I served in Special Operations Aviation Regiment, uh, which he knew very well because we've put him time on target every night. You know, whenever mm -hmm. he's out. Um, and I just said, I've got a gift for you, and I, man, I'd love to talk to you about our community and um, invite you on the podcast if you're interested in it. And shook his hand, gave him the coin, gave him the book, and uh, he said, Yeah, man glad to anytime. Um, here's the contact information for the person to schedule it and uh, the rest is history. So, um, you know, you, uh, it's hard to do that sometimes for some people they'd be like, Oh, I'd never be able to do that. Well, I was shitting bricks too. Like thinking you have this feeling of like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm definitely not supposed to be just going backstage on my yeah. own. Yeah. Um, and meandering through the back of someone else's gig. So, but that was something that I was willing to do uh, because in order to succeed in business, you have to be willing to do what others are not. And, um, and you can make a lot of, a lot of impact by doing that. I did something very similar for Shaquille O'Neal, who um, we'll be interviewing uh, hopefully shortly. It's not, he's not the easiest to schedule, I have to say. Um, but I just I saw him on, you know, Travis Chapel. you know that name? Yeah. 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 I just saw him. He did something for Travis Chapel. I don't know if it was a quick five minute segment or whatever. I'm just talking to Travis about going on or having him on this podcast. Cool. Yeah. Um, maybe doing it live, but um, yeah, he's out there. Why is Shaq out there? Is he, is he promoting something? Shaq? Oh, he was at a real estate conference. I mean, he's a, he, he buys car washes right. like, like crazy. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, besides Shaq, I was going to ask you, is there any other like guest that you're, you, you, like you got Shaq in the hoppers or somebody that you, is there a dream guest? Yeah, um, actually working on Goggins, which is like that would be big unicorn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been talking to his fiance for two years now, and he's like, she's like, no, uh, we're not doing podcasts. But she did say uh, your your company and mission is top twelve of people that we would consider to have him on. So I'm like, wow, right, cool, top twelve. That's very specific. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay. <laughs> 
Top eleven said, and a half. She might have said dozen, and in, in, in my in my mind, it was like twelve. It's twelve. We're top twelve. <laughs> We're probably number twelve, but maybe she was just being nice. But but I also said I also did say to her. I said, "Do you have a, a PO box or something for the business? I'd like to send you a gift." And so I I wrote a personalized card, sent our books, sent a challenge coin for him, and just said, "You know, we'd love to have you on whenever um, whenever you're available." Do you get deals from your community, or do you anticipate yeah. doing that? Yeah. So, so the military multifamily Academy students will be buying deals. I mean, they, we've just pulled them recently and um, the ones that responded to the poll um, just on assets under management over a billion already. And just in the last couple of years, and that was probably 40% of the respondents. I don't know. So um, they are actively getting educated by us. And they can, they go, they can go find the deals. We don't care if they come to us with the deals or not, but if they need help on the equity, it's a smart thing to do to go back to your tribe and be like, Hey, here's a deal. It's sweet. You know, we're going to bump rents by 400 bucks and here's the value add and whatever and apply for that equity. And then if we can provide it, I mean, that's the, that's the dream. So what's your day-to-day role in ADPI at this point? Obviously you're setting up this fund, but like, what's a day in the life for the founders? Cause like you, I'm just thinking about this. You create, maybe like I'll go abundance a little bit. Like you create this thing, you're hands-on, you got 20 people in a Facebook group. So you're obviously, you're creating the education, yeah. but now my God, you, you probably have students that have bypassed your knowledge base. Right. So like, what is your role? What is, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis? Like what, what, what's your, I don't know. How do you, how have you, this changed into or leveled into wherever you are right now. Yeah, the, it's changed a lot. So I've gone from uh co-founder to um well that that title, if you will, or that role will never change, but then uh COO to um now uh VP of business development. And we're we've got it's interesting because yeah, I used to be like Markion and I creating the content and doing Facebook lives. And, you know, we were very invaded. And I was just joking with, uh, with Adam, uh, Labar the other day. And I was like, man, like, I don't even know what's going on in the Facebook group anymore. <laughs> you know, like Crazy, we're so yeah. far. So now we're working in the business and on the business. I and mean, we hired, a um, an EOS, um, implementer. And so we have these eight hour sessions once a month where we're like really getting, intentional about creating a sustainable long-term vision for this business. Cause we're growing fast and like, you know, getting insurance and like, you know, we have W2 and 1099 getting payroll and HR set up. And we're like, we didn't think about all of that. It's when you real, start a business, right? you're yeah. like, this is like the big boy, like pull up your pants type of stuff. We just thought it was like a fun Facebook group at the beginning. So, so what do you, do you roll it up? Do you sell this? Uh, it's, I mean, we, we're, we will always prepare. That's not the plan right now, but we just like in real estate, multiple exit strategies, um, our, our agreements will be set up and are set up, um, for a sale if that comes down to it. Um, but it would have to be, I mean, this is a, this could very easily be a legacy company and, um, uh, and hiring ourselves out of a job to become, uh, board members and letting real CEOs run, the business as a CEO is kind of the short-term vision. So what, what do you, what do you think the enterprise, what would be the valuation on an ADPI? It's a unique, I mean, it is, and it isn't a unique, um, uh, a business, right. In some ways it's not, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have any sense? Like yeah. multiple? Well, we're whatever? actually we're actually um, about to go through evaluation, so it will be interesting. We do have IP. We have uh, a million trademarks, but we have registered we have registered trademarks as well that have value. We have the websites that have value. Like all those little things, you're like the intangibles. You're kind of like mm, I don't know. We've built out all these systems, and we've built the community, and so there's all value to all this stuff. And then there's you know our bottom line, our balance sheet, and all that stuff, which is awesome. I mean we bootstrap this company. We've never had debt. We never took on a VC wow. to grow the company or anything. We don't have any loans and we're doing really well. So vision is um, we're going to prepare for a sale as if we sure. were going to, to make it lucrative, to make it awesome. But um, but we want to hold because the impact um, is truly a stakeholder capitalism model where the people we work with benefit and that's valuable to us. So our, our partners, our affiliates, um, certainly our, um, our constituents, our community are all getting value from it as well and, um, and building there. So, so there's that impact, um, is actually one of our core values is just impact and, um, and really making sure that that's, that's, uh, that's shored up because, um, yeah, we don't have to sell no, no rush, but we're right, right, right. going to have that. Yeah. As you build something strategy. incredible. I mean, I've watched it just been knowing Adam yeah. Labar for a few years, we were in wheelbarrow profits together and then go abundance. And, yeah. and just like what he was talking about. Well, like you said, it was like this really cool Facebook community at one point, you know, not long ago. And now like the more you hear about it, it's like, Whoa, what did you build? Like, how did you build? Whoa, yeah. this is like a, a huge deal now. I mean, not that it wasn't before, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's grown into some, it's a beast HR and W2. Uh, you've got a real, a real mind of its own, right? It's its own monster now, which is really, really cool. So here's the question. Then I go back to when you're talking about um, the flare and the, and the, oh yeah the night vision goggles. And you know, Pooping why don't we, pants. what was it? Uh, pink, pink, pink powder, pink, pink dust. Pink yeah. dust. Why don't we make pink dust out of these people? It's like, you know, hey, yeah, we're taking bullets, but we're on mission. What are the bullets right now that you have to avoid because of the mission? Man, shiny object. You, I mean, like what? Like what are some are, of them? What, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a great example. Before our call here, I was just yeah. on a call with the um, assistant director of the Department of Veterans Affairs. <laughs> and oh, yeah, which is crazy. A friend of mine is a Medal of Honor recipient, and he referred, he's like, I'm a customer of ADPI. I think more people need to know about ADPI. I'm an investor because of ADPI. And he's like, you guys need the VA, you need to get this education out to as many veterans as possible. So I'm on this call. And I'm realizing I'm super thankful just to be on the call because I love connecting and finding out, right? Like uh, what sure. problems, what, where, where are compatibilities? And I, I'm like realizing the VA doesn't like for-profit companies. Um, <laughs> or not that they don't like them, but that's not their model. Like they, sure. they want everybody to give away free education. That's not our model. And in fact, I, a point I made, because I was just like, I'm going to be upfront with you guys. I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm wearing like a jacket and a hat. So I'm going to tell you that if people pay for education, they're 98% more likely to act and change their life. All okay. the, all the, and all of the companies that they listed off that are, that they are working with that give away quote unquote free education. There's a USAA logo on the free education. So the, the correlation I made was like, yeah, they might be giving away free education. And 90% of what we do is free. You can go on there and just learn a lot. I mean, you can go on sure. bigger pockets. You can go on the Google it on the internet and get it for yeah. free. 
but they're putting, they're putting, it's a lender that is putting their name on free basic education, like mm-hmm. vanilla. And then, which is, is, is probably, it's like, it's not for investors. It's not for anything outside of the box. It's like, I want a home loan type mm-hmm. of education, right? First time home buyer type education. Mm-hmm. And they think that this is like the, the golden answer to getting people, you know, into a great financial situation. And that's how USAA does a great job marketing it. Right. I'm just picking on USAA as a bland example. No, and I so get it. What I, so, so where's the bullet come flying is me going, Oh man, if the VA could subsidize all of our education, pay us so that veterans could get our education, even discounted, that would be millions more veterans. There's 16 million veterans out there that some of them are going to want our education. Instead of paying for it, they qualify through the VA and the VA, like, I just had to realize at the end of this call, that's not their model. The VA, the Department of Education at the VA does not see that. They don't understand that. Uh, They don't want people to pay for something. But we know, you know, when you pay for something, you're going to execute that thing. All day, all day. When you get something for free. Monday comes around, you forget about it. You're like, eh, I'll get to it sometime. I've seen it, man. Course. I've seen, like, yeah. you know, uh, there's been GoBundance guys and women who have paid for their kids to join a merge and they, yeah. they ghost it. They don't use yeah. it, right? They just, they, there's no like, ah, yeah, my, my dad or my mom gave me this thing. Um, but they don't, they don't show up or they show up once or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's true. You know, like people, some people vilify, like you said, the word solicit. Some people vilify the idea of, oh, you're charging. Why don't you just give this away for free? And it's to your yeah. point. It's like, look, my time has value. Not that I'm looking, but my point is like, I'm putting a lot of effort and energy into teaching this, into giving this information out. Right. I want to know that you're invested in it. Like I am. And it's just, it's the, it's the medium that our society at large has decided that we're going to use as a way to tie energy to something. It's money. That's it. That's just what it is. That's the medium. If it were cell phones then great, you know, give me cell phones or whatever it might yeah. be. So now that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. Are there any other bullets flying at you that you guys that are keeping well, you off? I mean, every, every week, I mean, and I'm like the opportunity guy. I'm talking to so many people all the time. I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, guys, I'm not trying to steer us in the wrong direction here. So let's stay on course. But this just came up. If it resonates with anybody, let me know <laughs> just yeah. to the, to the other owners, you know, and, and we've had to work really, really hard on, uh, in fact, we had a theme, you know, how we have uh, on our one sheet, we have themes and stuff before, mm. As part of GoBundance, one of our themes for ADPI was no new ideas. That was the year's theme. I think it was like 2020. We're like, no new ideas. Just how long like, did that last? How long did it I last? I mean, I mean, uh <laughs> we still had new ideas, but we but we always could come back to like, okay, guys, but that's not but we need to like revamp this course or like we need to focus on this one thing, you know. So you guys there's four partners. There's five of us. Yeah. Five of you. What is the one thing right now that risks breaking the partnership apart between you? What's the biggest risk to your partnership right now? Personality wise, conflict wise, like we are. So I I would say, um, uh, structural vulnerabilities that we're not aware of, uh, Mm. as of right now, like we haven't been sued. I'm just, you know, we're a company that, does what we can to make things right, even when things aren't, and uh, we'll continue down the road. But the more people know about you, the more likely that is, but that's not going to break us either. And I'll say this, we've, we have um, separated partnerships from previous um, partners in the company. And while that is hard, we are such a solid team now, like to the point where we can't stop 
saying to each other on occasion, how light we feel, how free, like we can, we can communicate effectively. We can make decisions better without thinking like, I have to feel guilty about that. Or I have to, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. Right. And, and so, you know, and just, this correlates to the military. When you got a bad apple in a squad that has a terrible attitude, everybody has a terrible attitude. So you get rid of that, especially in the special operations community, because you can kick them out of special operations. If they're like needs of the army in a regular unit, what are you going to do? You're going to punish them. You're going to do whatever you can't kick them out. But so, so if you can remove people who don't see the same path or that um, don't have the, the same leadership style, or you don't see the eye to eye, you got to move on. And that's part of the vulnerability of starting a new business is what do you do when you get started? You can't pay somebody you can right. just inspire somebody at the beginning. You're like, I don't know, let me give you a, like a little bit of equity or something. You know, like, I don't, I don't have any money. We're not even making any money. We haven't made a sale yet. But let me give you a little bit of equity. But then come find out two, three, four years later down the road, they are not the right partner. And that's really hard because then you got to figure out a way to separate. Is there, is there a way that you could, like looking at the ones that you separated from, is there any okay. common theme on like, you know what, this is this is the trait now we know what we know now, like that we don't want to get started with. Is there something or or not even the trait of the person, but maybe the the situation yep. within which like that they're part-time, not full-time. I, I don't know. Like what no, is I, there- I would I would say um it it uh there's no I in team is the just absolutely thing. I was trying to put this together with these people in mind. People who have a I'm I am more efficient than you, I am better than you, I am. I am doing this for me. I am, uh, you know, if they're focused on them and they think that they're doing more or they're doing better or their your expectations aren't met uh, or you're not meeting your expectations, I mean, that is heavy. That mm. is so heavy. I th- I've heard you talk about this, like heavy and light. And, yeah. and that really like opened my eyes up to that feeling. It's physical feeling of like when we separated with uh, partners in the past, it's like, I feel like I could float. You know, like, I'm like, I can make decisions like that are great for the company and it can affect more people. And so we're at a place now where we're like, all of us are really happy and we do not see the same flags that we've, that we've experienced in the past. So it's been awesome. Very cool. Talk about GoBundance for a minute. I know we're, I'm taking you right to the wire here, but yeah, talk about no. GoBundance for a minute. You joined recently, your two partners, Tim and Adam, they've been in it for a while. Like, mm-hmm. how's that been? What's it been for you? Why'd you join? Kind of give me your experience so far. Yeah. Uh, so GoBundance, I uh, had it on the 2023 list of things to do. And, um, and, and for whatever reason, it came across my inbox or social media, or actually Adam and Tim have been grinding on me to, to join for a while now also. Um, so I joined in December of 2022 and, um, went to my first, I live just down the hill from Tahoe. So it was an easy drive for me, but went to the first Tahoe event, the winter event. And I explained this to people like when, whenever I go to a a new conference on a new, just call it topic, new subset of people, new tribe, it's a little clunky at first. Cause you got, you're like a a newborn, you know, fawn trying to like, get like, who's going to like me? Where do I sit? How do I interact? What are these people about? Um, How's the conversation? How do, what, what what language are people talking, you know, using words like one sheet and stuff like you have to know some of it or be comfortable just knowing that you're a fawn. You're, you're just a, you're just a baby right now, you know? Sure. So I went and uh, I was intentional about that. I knew that that was the case. 
And I found a tribe that I, that I love. I mean, the, what I recognized is 70% of the conversations we were having are like problems that are relative to my life. And I'm like, every man in this room is talking about the same problems. And, and for a communal species, like we are to find a group of people that make you feel like you're not alone. That's all you could ask for. Like Mm. these, these, these guys are just like me. And then you realize that they're completely transparent about how they make money. And no one's shy about talking about how much they made last year because no one cares. Right. It's about how can you do better? And, and in fact, the giving uh, pillar, how can you give more? Why did you not give enough? You made this amount of money last year and you only gave that much? Let's work on that. Mm. Uh, that was super impactful to me to see that 240 men in that room were going, here are my problems. Can, do you have any advice for me and my spouse? Right. I was like, this isn't just a business conference. This is about being better men and businessmen and husbands. And so I, that was my biggest takeaway. Like it's a, it's a refreshing uh, take at a business um, at, at, at looking at business. Sure. Yeah, whole life, right? Kind of the whole life uh, approach as opposed to just simply like people say that, like, you know, do people do partnerships? Like, yeah, but because they are, because they have become friends and have built relationships within the community, right? It's like you said, it's not like, let me drop my deal in here and like, let me wheel and deal. Like, that's not, you're going to be really disappointed if you come in with the idea of, oh, okay, let me find the money making angle. And then we're all in on fatherhood. Or we talked about, I mean, there were a lot of relationship discussions, a lot of relationship discussions at that event, at least on my end. That's what I, I took from it. That's why we, when we had Billy up there, we started with that, right? Like yep. relationship between spouses and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, that was, that was, that was an awesome event too. I'm glad that was your first. Cause I yes. remember going to my first in Aspen a couple of years ago and it was like, that it was like, Whoa. And then we, the events were good, but we, there was a little bit of like a feeling out over the last year or so of like, what's the right cadence? How many should we have? Like, what's the content look like? How much yeah. stage time versus networking and, and Tahoe like hit it. It just hit that balance really, really well. I think, I think Lake Oconee is almost sold out now in October or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's like that coming off of that, you know, so crazy, but let's, let's wrap this. I want to be respectful of your time on the GoBundance card game. So the two of diamonds is the card. And the question is in 40 years. So 2063, you'll be 82 years old. I think what will people be nostalgic for? Just in general? Yeah. What's something that people are going to be like, oh, back when I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this today. Is, like, this what are people going to look at today is like, oh, that's uh, like, imagine. Remember when it was just like that? Yeah. I think uh, people are going to look back at this time and crave um, the the lack of technology that we I have. I was going to say the same. <laughs> yeah, go for it. We We think that it's like. I mean, now we're obviously watching AI take over and stuff, but Oof. it's it's so it's so basic right now, and you just know you could just feel the energy in the air about what is about to happen. So, forty years from now, we're gonna look back now and be like, we thought we had it. We thought tech was like big deal then. Ew, God, I can't even imagine. I mean, you you we're gonna be old guys going like, oh, I can't can't even imagine raising kids in this environment now. 
You know, you know, but, talk about Tom Billu, one of his signature, uh, I don't know, stories that he's using to create impact theory. Like that's his whole his whole model is a we didn't even get to it is a um, a, uh, a comic book series called Neon Future. And it's about a battle between two different divides in society. They call it the augmented. Those who are fully like tech, like chipped, you know, like technologically mm -hmm. uh, uh, integrated and the authentic, those who have denied mm -hmm. uh, 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 technology, oh. like, right. I mean, like when you listen to him talk about vision and then what you just said, like, especially like even the last like three weeks, AI has become like a mountain. That's all you hear about. And I'm yeah. using chat GPT. I'm blown away by its capability right now. Right. So so it's funny to think like just a month and a half after being there where this guy is talking about the future. And if you look at what he does, he has literally a comic book series battle between the augmented and the authentic in like 40 years. Whoo. Creepy. Yeah, people are going to look back at those types of resources. Um, like it's reading, thinking, grow rich, you know, it's like this, this 80 year old document and like this guy saw the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. Oh man, this is great. Eric. How can people learn more about you? Where do you want to direct folks to, to, to get more into what your world is? I mean, I'm going to, I'll give my email. It's Eric at active duty, passive income, uh, .com. uh You can check out our website, active duty, passive income.com or my personal website, ericupchurch.com. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. Also, I'd love to connect. If you have questions, it's at real Eric Upchurch. And um, I don't know if there are any fake Eric Upchurches out there yet, but I figured someday there might be. So I don't know. You haven't um, had one yet? <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, no, cool. long story. You're not cool. I, I mean, I get invites from you every day. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's so frustrating. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, just reach out. I'm, I'm an open book. I'd love to help any military members uh, break through barriers or if you um, have any opportunities that you want to talk about. I mean, just whatever. I, I love helping people and, um, uh, you know, please reach out. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate seeing you in Tahoe. Great getting to know you. You're way taller than you look on Facebook for whatever that, whatever that matters. Everybody says that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You got it taller than Facebook looks. So <laughs> appreciate, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for doing right. it. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry.